Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hello, it's another show. Let's go there. I'm Shira. And uh, you're I was say, about to say Shira Lazar, but then I just said Shira. <laughs> Shira. It sounded like you were slurring. Shira. Well, welcome to the show where Shira's drunk already. <laughs> Off of caffeine. No, but I'm Ryan. Yeah, appreciate it. You know, I'm really excited because I'm heading to Austin, Texas or South by Southwest tomorrow. And this is like my first big trip, conference trip since uh, post-COVID. You know, since it all, well, somewhat ended. Uh, and South by Southwest has been canceled the past two years, so it's exciting. Yeah, you're going to be out. I mean, you've just been bouncing everywhere. I feel like, wow, you're just, oh, wow, I just turned the music off. Um, I'm I, a bouncer. Yeah, you're a bouncer, which which is nice. I want to experience South by, but guess what? What? I am officially, this is like, not, I'm completely changing the subject. This is what I wanted to bring up. Thanks for letting me know. Yeah, but you just started talking just about yourself. Excited. You started talking about yourself in, uh, in uh, South By. Yeah. Well, I'm going to talk about myself because I just got, I got verified on Instagram. What? I mean, look how cool I am. No, Life it, changer. It literally means no, that's nothing. exciting. I, but it doesn't mean anything. But does it? I mean, so, like, I, well, you well, mentioned I got it for the text reason. message that I was and I was like, so what am I supposed to do with this now? Like, I'm like, thanks. Makes you much more I cool. I was like, I guess... Does that? Did I just get confirmed that I'm a real life person? Like You're a I'm human. alive. I'm actually you Ryan. Ex- you exist in this world. <laughs> Before it was like up for grabs. Like who knows if I'm actually Ryan? But like now it's. You're officially, you're more... I'm officially me. Of an official human. I'm excited. You know, that stamp of approval feels so wonderful. Right, very validated. You know, I'm just happy that I can no longer, you know, question my identity. And I know because of that blue stamp. Or, or you know, your value or your (laughs) self-worth. No, that's awesome. That's really cool. You know, that's... It's hard to get verified. I mean... It's like one of those, like, races. Like, you know, it's like the Olympics. I literally didn't know how to react to it. It was was like the... uh, When I got the test, I was like, oh, great, thanks. And they were like, yeah, this is such a big deal. And I'm like, is it? (laughs) What makes it feel, unfortunately, slash unfortunately... The age of social media. Right, exactly. It means... uh, uh, other celebrities can respond to you. It means brands will take you Who more seriously. Who cares about know. any of that? I'm just well, like, well, thanks for, ver- th- thanks for verifying that it's me. You know who cares, Ryan? You? Capitalism. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well, what's coming yeah. up on the show today? <laughs> you're much more special to me now that you're verified. Thank okay. you. I mean, clearly the ranking. Yeah. Well, uh, Disney's perception as one of the most supportive LGBTQ plus companies may be over as new revelations about Pixar have emerged and a prominent organization has refused a multi-million dollar donation. We're breaking it all down. 
Glad has also announced they will be unveiling advocacy scores for Hollywood Studios. Glad's chief communications officer joins us next hour. Plus, conversion therapy is nothing but negatives, but do conservatives realize it's costing billions of dollars to the economy? The Trevor Project has more on this fascinating survey in 30 minutes. Let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. The same day the Florida legislator passed its controversial Don't Say Gay bill, similar legislation was filed in the Georgia State Assembly. It places restrictions on a wide variety of topics that Republican lawmakers have targeted in legislators across the country. The bill basically says this set of many things, quote, such a focus on racial and gender identity and its resulting discrimination on the basis of color, race, ethnicity and national origin is destructive to the fabric of American society. Should the bill pass, it would restrict how such topics can be addressed by teachers. And as gas prices go up and the Biden administration pushes for more sustainable and clean energy solutions, including electric, Fox News News's Peter Ducey thought it was a good time to ask this question at a White House press briefing today. You guys are pushing electric vehicles today. This is a president who always talks about the power of our example. Mm-hmm. Does he own an electric vehicle? Presidents of the United States don't do a lot of driving. He's posted videos where he's revving the engine of his Corvette in Wilmington. He owns cars. And he also has driven electric vehicles as president, as, as to give a model to the rest of the country. Does he own one? I think the president's record on this is clear, Peter. Presidents of the United States, current, and when they are no longer, typically are not doing a lot of driving. Oh, I mean, they're not. That's actually they're not. true. I would like, though. Here's the thing. If I was part of his clean energy group... I would say, hey, we need to lead by example. Like, let's somehow... I mean, they have special cars when you're president, though. So I don't know if there are options for that. But I would try to figure it out. But he's already doing so much in, in that I know, I'm just right saying. So like, it's like Tesla. It's like Elon Musk and not having a Tesla. Peter Ducey is a journalist. Oh, yeah. It's a shock journalist. He's he just wants to get yeah. a clip and a virality of it. He was trolling, um, but it's it's a good question. No, it is. I'm not saying it's not a good question, but, but also like... Are you asking Trump if he's like doing that? Are you asking any other president like that? You know, you know his nickname, Douchey Doocy. I don't think you can say that word on the radio. Okay. Next up, <laughs> as people wait. wait, as people call out Disney's refusal to speak out against Florida's "Don't Say Gay" bill, CEO Bob Chapek announced <laughs> yesterday that the company will donate five million dollars to the human rights campaign and other LGBTQ rights organizations. Well, guess what? HRC said that's not enough. They released this. Uh, press announcement and said until meaningful action is taken to combat the don't say gay bill that has passed the Florida legislature and it is waiting the governor's signature we're not going to take your money so take that we're going to talk more about that uh, next hour but let's get into some tea what's going on yeah, the curtain is finally closing on Jesse Smollett's hate um, hoax um, saga. It's time for the Tea Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. Um, Jesse Smollett was, will uh, be sentenced today um, in Chicago three months after a jury found him guilty of lying to police following his eight-day trial in December. Uh, Smollett, who was convicted on five counts of felony disorderly conduct and acquitted of a sixth, is facing up to three years in prison. But it'll be up to Judge James Lynn if he gets any time at all. Legal experts have said it's unlikely Smollett will be given a prison sentence considering his mostly uh, clean criminal record and the nonviolent nature of the charges, which are now um, low-level Class 4 felonies. However, Smollett took the stand during the trial uh, where he repeatedly, and I mean, he maintained his innocence and at times grew defensive when challenged. It's a decision that could weigh against him as Lynn um, mulls whether to give Smollett a conditional discharge, community service, probation, or some time behind bars. 
attorney for the former Empire star are hoping that Judge Lynn will agree to overturn his conviction or at least grant him a new trial after filing a Hail Mary motion on February 25th, alleging the court committed a series of errors in constitutional violations. I mean, honestly, I hope this doesn't open up a new trial. I'm so, uh, like, let this just lay to rest. Once, you know, the Jesse Smollett case was a complicated time in history. Let's move forward. That's your T-Report. Well, next up, the cost of police misconduct has been uncovered, and it carries a billion-dollar price tag to communities. The Washington Post has the details in 10 minutes. Well, multiple recent studies have concluded that conversion therapy harms uh, the mental health of those subjected to it. But but a report published on Monday is the first to quantify the economic costs of the discredited practice. Joining us to break those numbers down from their research is Casey Peck, Senior Fellow for Advocacy and Government Affairs at the Trevor project. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So this was very interesting because obviously we know uh, there's so much happening with anti-trans, anti-LGBTQ legislation right now. Um, But a lot of, I I think the disconnect for me, especially with conservatives pushing so hard for it, is the fact that it's costing so much money to do it. And if they're fiscal, which is a talking point for a lot of Republicans, that would seem like totally against what they are all about. Correct? Right? So how... How should like the break? I guess break down this new research that you all came up with. Absolutely. So we were looking for another way to express the harm that we all know happens from conversion therapy or attempts to change someone's sexual orientation so that a gay person would become straight or a transgender person would become cisgender. So we looked at all of the literature, all of the research, and worked together with health economists to really put a dollar value on the cost of conversion therapy. And what we found was that the direct costs of conversion therapy practiced on LGBTQ youth today is about $650 million annually, but the indirect costs, the costs from things like the increased rates of substance abuse and suicide attempts Mm -hmm. are much higher, about an estimated $8.58 billion annually. Wow. Wow. That is a lot. Will that number make a difference to those who don't see the urgency of making this illegal federally? I absolutely hope so. Part of the challenge has been convincing people that conversion therapy is still happening and that it is still harmful. And I think for some policymakers and other leaders, uh, being able to see it broken down into dollars and cents will make a significant difference. Well, I guess it's, uh, for me, I feel like, oh, since we know this because of the work that we're doing, it's always so shocking to find out that only 25 states uh, have only fully or partially banned conversion therapy for minors. It seems like it, we've, we, it should be so much more than that, right? That is true. Granted, we've made tremendous progress. The first state to implement a ban on conversion therapy did so in 2013. So we've got moved quickly since then. But the fact that there are still so many states that have not taken up this kind of legislation and, in fact, are moving legislation that arguably you could say these bans on providing affirming health care to transgender youth and other forms of inclusion for LGBTQ youth are premised on the idea that they could these youth should just change. Yeah. So yeah. we've got a lot of work to do to make sure that people understand that efforts at changing someone's sexual orientation or gender identity are harmful. And part of that harm comes in the form of billions of dollars of cost. 
Definitely. So with this study coming out, I mean, there was another another study that said not um, supporting LGBTQ youth and gender affirming care actually causes suicide and depression. You know, what do we do about all this? Because I feel like all these studies are coming out and yet we're seeing more coming from the opposing side. I mean, suicide is always multifactorial, meaning that there's no one thing that causes any particular suicide. But we do have so much evidence suggesting that discrimination, stigma, lack of access to affirming health care do contribute to higher rates of suicide attempt. Mm -hmm. And I think it's vital that we get the word out there, that we are able to hear directly the stories of people harmed by these practices and make it known that we're just not going to accept a world anymore that doesn't allow for people to get the care they need in order to survive and thrive. Yeah. Well, we really appreciate you for joining us. Is there any last words that you want to leave us with? Or resources Our resources, yes. Absolutely. The Trevor Project is the world's largest provider of suicide prevention and crisis intervention services for LGBTQ youth. And we are there 24-7 via telephone, chat, or text services. Just look us up at thetrevorproject.org. All right. Well, thank you so much. That was Casey Pick, a senior fellow for advocacy and government affairs at the Trevor Project. Thank you personally for everything that you're doing and what the Trevor Project is continuing to do. We really appreciate the work and thanks for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. Okay, we're uh, shifting gears here. Why are almost 20 percent of this city's population turning to OnlyFans? We'll tell you more next. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, and we've got more music coming up right here on Channel Q. But right now, we've got more show. Hot off the heels of one organization declining a multi-million dollar donation... Uh, from Disney, GLAAD has announced that they will be unveiling advocacy scores for Hollywood Studios. And GLAAD's chief communications officer joins us to discuss that in 10 minutes. Very excited. Yes. I, I love me some rich. A lot going on today. Uh, we're also looking at the long history of anti-LGBTQ bills being pushed by the GOP and why they continue to head to this well of hate. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour right now. Republican legislators in Arizona have helped stop three anti-transgender bills. Some Republicans at least are doing something, right? That would have blocked people from accessing bathrooms, locker rooms, gender-affirming health care, as well as non-binary gender markers on government documents. I have a hard time. Like, this is great that there are some Republicans who are actually, like, standing up and stuff. But yeah. it's kind of like, uh, um, oh, what's, uh, what's her name? Oh, my God. Hmm. She's, uh, is it... I don't know her name. I forgot what her name is. But she's a Republican and she like she stood up against Trump and it was like a huge deal. Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney. Yeah. I almost said like someone connected to the Bush or I knew it was like a yeah. something. Um, but yeah, Liz Cheney, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm happy you're standing up in this moment, but like all the other moments, it's really hard for me to separate the two. Like I of can't course, really do yeah. that. Um, so yeah, at least uh, some some Republicans have a backbone, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it comes a week after Utah's Republican Governor Spencer Scott, uh, Cox pledged to veto an anti-trans sports bill, signal, uh, signaling a possible shift, hopefully in GOP party officials' willingness to target the trans community. We're starting to see a bit more of those um, coming forward. But obviously, it's um, it's not soon enough, right? It's yeah. um, it's kind of too late because the damage has been done. No, for sure, you're right. Mayor Eric Adams commented on New York prioritizing Black and Brown communities hardest hit by drug arrests for cannabis licensing. Here he is today. I don't recall one corporate executive being stopped on Tremont Avenue and have someone going through their pocket and pulling out a joint and then locking them up. So they should not, they were not front in line in the perp walk. They should not be front in line and benefiting from the cannabis industry. It needs to go back in the communities that were hurt the hardest. And, and that is what we need to focus on. Probably one of the better things he's done recently. Uh, this comes after the another one that I'm yeah. not giving a lot of grace and space to. <laughs> this comes after the approval of rules limiting eligibility of dispensary licenses to operators, where at least one applicant was convicted of pot-related crimes or immediately related to someone swept up before marijuana's legalization. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, the U.S. Education Secretary Miguel Cardona took to Twitter to remind Florida. Who is boss when it comes to civil rights for LGBTQ people? He criticized Florida's political leaders for prioritizing, quote, bills based on hate and discrimination over students' pandemic recovery, urged them to join him in protecting and supporting LGBTQ students. He said, my team and I stand with our LGBTQ students in Florida across the country and urge Florida leaders to protect and support all students. So let's see if federal law can trump the don't say gay bill. 
That's what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so interesting story. You know, Kim Kardashian is in some serious hot water that's having some celebs speak out. It's time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So Kim, her sisters, Chloe and Kourtney Kardashian, as well as their mom, Chris, were all profiled by Variety ahead of their uh, April 14th premiere of their upcoming Hulu reality series, The Kardashians. Now, at one point during the interview, which was uh, published yesterday, Kim had this to say about you know, giving advice to women during this month about business. Mm. I don't recall. Oh, oh God, not Eric. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. Coming back with a vengeance. So sorry. I'm traumatizing myself again. For women in business. Okay, Get your f-ing ass up and work. It seems like nobody wants to work these days. You That's have to, so true. You have to surround <laughs> yourself with people that want to work. Have a good work environment where everyone loves what they do because you have one life. No toxic work environments and show up and do the work. Yeah. (laughs) Just um, show up. Just like do it. Just do it. Just do it. Well, of course, many people took issues with Kim's comment, including Jamila Jamil and Soledad O'Brien and blasted the reality star on social media. So alongside Variety's tweet um, showing Kim's advice, Jamila wrote this. I think if you grew up in Beverly Hills with super successful (laughs) parents in what was simply a smaller mansion, nobody needs to hear your thoughts on success slash work ethic. This same 24 hours in the day uh, crap is a nightmare. 99.9% of the world grew up with a very different 24 hours. Meanwhile, Soledad kept her criticism short and sweet, taking to Twitter, saying, uh, also, be born rich really oh. helps. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, for me, I um, I I don't think we can discredit, like, what the yep. Kardashian empire is. Uh-huh. For me, I, I, think, I, I think this is, like, a, 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 a both-and situation. Uh-huh. And I think... It was just really tone deaf for her to make such a, bra- a broad statement about brash. women. No, I think it's broad because they asked her yeah. about like the advice of, on women, and also and she was like, "Oh wait. yeah, women. I I just think women need to like get up." And it's just like, yeah, "Leave the room, uh, Kim. Like uh-huh. this is it's Women's History Month. And you're talking <laughs> to women like that. Like what are you talking? Wow, about? you're really inspiring. You're really calling people forth. Yeah, I'm like, girl. Yeah, it, you know, I think there's a way to say, uh, to acknowledge your own privilege in something while acknowledging that you have worked hard and that you hope, you know, others will too. But yeah, it felt like a bit like tough love. Yeah. Like, like, Well, it just was like, <laughs> no one's looking to Kim for that. Um, I think that a lot of people would look at like, if I was interviewing no Kim, for Kim for if that. I was interviewing Kim, I would say, what would you say to other women who see what you're doing and are, are inspired by the business what, you've but created? That's what they did. But yeah, but then the, her and, answer was just so not inspirational. And so like that's like that's the thing. Like no one's looking for her to, to for that. And I think also it's one of those things where um, I I just I don't know. I I don't really enjoy the conversations around like kind of people. I think a lot of people just hate her. If I'm being honest, which a lot also, of people just hate the Kardashians, which you know, informs yeah, their opinions on these things. It's, it sucks. They they hate them, but they love them at the same time because they'll read and, and watch everything that they're doing. Yeah. It's, it's a weird, it, toxic relationship. It's most definitely a little strange. And for me, I'm like, I just don't think she should have uh, said it like that. Because my thing is, there's sometimes, I, you know, I kind of agree with that statement if you're talking about everyone. Like, there are a lot of people who are, you know, their work ethic doesn't really match. Like, if this also, is a conversation about work ethic, uh-huh. then there's a way you can talk about that. But, like, yeah. just pinpointing it on women during this month, mm. it just feels so tone deaf. And uh, it's just like, girl, I know what you were trying to say, but, like, also... Mm. Also, who did Kim wrong? <laughs> 
don't know. Who her did Kim sister, because that's the reason why Courtney and her got to scrapping um, in uh, that season. Uh, because literally, Kim was talking about Courtney doesn't like to to work as much as Chloe and Kim, and so that's the reason why they got to fighting. Mm. Uh, really, in that, uh, I mean. Oh, so this was a bit of a shade, maybe. I don't know if it's a bit of shade, but I just remember that. So, and, and also, it's a connection to Courtney being like, "You're so right." In the background. Anyway, that's your team report. We got more coming up next hour. Well, in light of Disney's lack of action around the Don't Say Gay Bill, GLAAD has announced they will be unveiling advocacy scores for Hollywood Studios. We've got the Chief Communications Officer joining us to share more next. Well, hot off the heels of one organization declining a multi-million dollar donation, GLAAD has entered the conversation, as always, because they have announced they will be unveiling advocacy scores for Hollywood Studios. Joining us to break all of that down is one of my favorite people at GLAAD, GLAAD's Chief Communications Officer, Rich Ferrero. Thank you so much for joining the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good to be here. No, for sure. You know, well, glad today announced additional and immediate evaluations of Hollywood Film Studios to be mm-hmm. incorporated into its annual Studio Responsibility Index, which, for those that don't know, is a study that analyzes LGBTQ representation and releases by eight major film studio distributors. Well, talk to us about these new additions in, value, in evaluations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... At GLAAD, we have not only been working um, with partners like Equality Florida on this disgusting don't say, don't say LGBTQ bill in Florida, but we're tired of seeing legislation pop up in states around the country. Colleagues of mine at GLAAD and so many organizations and queer media outlets and queer um, activists as individuals are all fighting nearly 200 anti-LGBTQ bills that have been introduced in states around the country, most of them targeting transgender youth. And at the same time, we know that when Pride Month comes around, we have corporations throwing on rainbow stickers on social media or on T-shirts and saying they stand with our community. Um, well, at GLAD and like so many activists in the space today, um, we find that um, we need the corporations not to stand with us just during Pride Month, but year round because we're queer year round. And if you're going to be loud during Pride Month, you should not be silent when legislation is moving forward, not only in Florida, but all of the other states. So at GLAAD, our um, relationships, our strongest partners are in Hollywood, where year-round we're advocating for representation on screen because the characters and the stories that are in films and on television and all forms of media, they provide LGBTQ youth with stories to relate to. They also educate and humanize queer people. Um, And we need more of those stories on screen. But at GLAAD, we took a look at our research in light of um, Disney and other corporates refusing to speak out on Florida and then refusing to speak out strongly on Florida's don't say LGBTQ bill. And we said, how can we take our research and use it to hold media accountable in a stronger way so that we can look behind the camera at their values, not just the characters on screen? Um, Definitely. And you have always been doing this. I mean, GLAAD is at the forefront of this. But do you think this is a turning point moment? Yeah, this is the point where we got to take it public and we have to take it loud. So we always advocate against political donations to anti-LGBTQ politicians behind the scenes, to all of our partners, especially in Hollywood and in the media, because we know that if those partners not only not donate, but use their voices and their influence to talk to those politicians, that's how laws are defeated. That's how North Carolina repealed 
um, HB2, which barred trans people from using the right restroom. That's how the Indiana amended their Religious Freedom Act many years ago. It was corporates who stood up and stood with us. And we said, why are we not hearing from those corporates today on Florida's bill and all of the other anti-trans ledge in states around the country? And we said, if they're not going to speak up, we know like the act up phrase, silence equals death. And we know that these bills are going to cause wild amounts of harm to LGBTQ youth. So we we said to ourselves at GLAAD, how can we go to these companies and raise the bar and force them to do better on the political giving and in their public advocacy? Yeah, we're speaking to GLAAD's Chief Communications Officer, Rich Ferrero. And I I guess because the SRI, it's coming up on its 10th annual, right? It's going to be released in uh, summer 2022, this summer. I I just wonder why now are are we adding this political, well, this grading uh, for political donations, public advocacy, and global LGBTQ-like content? Because it is one of those things where we've seen this. This isn't the first time we've seen kind of, you know, these companies do this, right? So why now? now added to the SRI in this in the sense of grading for them. Yeah. And the SRI is always about was always about on screen representation, which when it comes to films, LGBTQ people are nearly invisible on film and wide release film. There are such few characters. So no company has ever received an excellent score on our studio responsibility index. But by adding this information now where we can track their political giving and their public facing advocacy, it incentivizes them to do more on that. And we're seeing corporates not do it enough right now. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing more and more legislation. So it felt like the right time to say, hey, corporates, wake up. Our community is not going to sit back and if you stay silent. And if you're going to stay silent or you're going to donate to anti-LGBTQ politicians, we're going to call you out. You can't hide behind the characters you put on screen. You have to walk the walk. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Have any of these organizations responded or Disney recently? Are you all in touch with them? Yes. Um, all of the studios, we, we gave them a heads up on, on this news today. Several of our contacts within the studios said that this was a good move and something that will help them push for um, push for revisions to their giving policies. Right now, a lot of the, there's no policies for the most part. Most studios do not have policies when it comes to anti-LGBTQ politicians. Mm. So this is a step for queer people in those companies to use our public pressure as GLAD when this report comes out later in the year to go to their executives and make the case to end the political giving to anti-trans and anti-queer politicians. Isn't it amazing to see companies like, you know, Netflix and Disney who are at the forefront now really being called out and just doing the wrong thing. It feels like going backwards. Yeah. But but what's great to see too, is that their employees, um, LGBTQ and allies are not taking that um, lightly and they're making their voices heard. There was the walkout at Netflix at Disney, their pride employee resource groups have been leading the way in sharing with media what the calls are internally and in putting public pressure on their CEO. And their CEO did eventually speak out on the bill. It was too little, too late. Um, and then he spoke with Governor DeSantis, but again, was not forceful enough in saying veto this legislation. That's where GLAD, Equality Florida, and the Disney pride ERGs are still saying that Disney can take a leadership role in calling on DeSantis to veto this. Well, I am so proud of the work that GLAAD does daily to, to really help 
you know, amplify our community and uh, make sure that we're holding accountability. And I think it's so, so important. And I'm just happy that I get to be a part of the family as well for, you know, transparency purposes. So. We're lucky to have you in our family, too. <laughs> well, we're friends of the family. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. GLAD's Chief Communication Officer, Rich Ferrer. I mean, you see why he's the Chief Communications Officer, right? What's coming up next year? Well, anti-trans legislation is at an all-time high, as we know. Is it really anything new? The history around the GOP's attacks of the LGBTQ. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Community next. Japanese schools have decided to ban female students from wearing their hair in ponytails. Oh, no! Right? This is the reason. Because the, quote, nape of their necks could sexually excite male students. Oh, my God. Why is everything about men? If men can't get their their lives together, get it together. maybe they shouldn't be around. <laughs> right? A former middle school teacher told Vice that the reason is similar to that of the school's white-only underwear policy, so that they don't—they uh, won't show through the uniforms. Wait, They're, so they only—they can only wear white underwear. Yes, they're worried <laughs> boys will look at girls, which is similar to the reasoning behind, you know, upholding this white-only underwear color rule. And then this person said, I've, also, I've always criticized these rules, but because there's such a lack of criticism and it's become so normalized, students have no choice but to accept them. That is just so strange. Like, I remember in school growing up, like, of course, there's, like, dress codes where, like, you couldn't wear, like, spaghetti straps or you yeah, had to that. wear um, you had to wear a belt with your pants so there was no sagging, which I always was kind of like, I'm wearing a belt anyway because sagging was, like, I, I just always felt sagging was so gross looking. Um, especially if you're a teenage boy who might forget to change their underwear and you got things just showing that, you know, little brown spots in the underwear. Huh? 
Yeah, like boys are showing like when they're sagging, you could see like who are who's properly wiping or not. Ew. I know. I'm just saying, girl. Oh it's my gross. gosh. Think about it. Think about it. Sagging has always been traumatizing to me. I could. I, I'm just like, what is it for? But for me, like, I just don't know. If, I mean, you think about dress codes are really about kind of like. Um, just controlling yeah, and maybe totally. like sh- starting to, I think it's starting the process of like sex shaming. Oh, so a lot stigmatizing, of yes, yeah. all that. Yeah, for me uh, at school, it was at the time where crop tops started to be in fashion and y- what was you that, know, names? you couldn't, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> in the fifties, it was uh, the eighties, no, right? No, it was not. <laughs> I graduated high school in two thousand, so this was in the nineties, oh. late nineties. Oh, so, but and, and if you were um, leaning over and they could see skin, it meant the shirt was too short. Yeah. Of course, you know us ladies would push that still um, because I mean they wouldn't say the reasoning, but there was kind of an understood. Yeah. Uh, Understanding, you know, so, uh, but I mean, quiet I, understanding. It's one of those things where it's it sucks for girls who are trying to grow in, especially at that age where everyone is experiencing puberty, and like it, it sucks because you know I've seen so many conversations around girls who grow into puberty and they have maybe big breasts, and like their teachers are calling them out for wearing the same t-shirts or the shirts well, yeah, that they're wearing wrong. from their other, you know, other, but, you know, friends, um, and they're uh-huh. getting called out because their body is just what it is. Totally, but it then there. Then there's also the girls, and no shame to this. I was one of them. As you develop, you're about to shame. As you develop, you kind of realize the power of your sexuality and your body, and you're kind of showing things off because you're discovering all this stuff. So I would wear my jeans really low. Yeah, like sometimes I'm sure they were probably really low where you could see my butt crack. I thought you were. You considered yourself to be a. I don't know if this is PC, but tomboy. Uh, I mean. I don't feel like I'm that much of Tommy just because I don't wear like flowers and all that. I just <laughs> I don't think that's I don't think that You say you I'm a tomboy. Time. You're the only person that no, calls no, me a tomboy. You have called yourself a tomboy. No, I said we have been in conversation. <laughs> You've called yourself that. I wouldn't I think just it started I wouldn't, with I wouldn't, you. I wouldn't, girl, oh my god. So here's the thing. Wait, I'm done. Wait, so I would wear I would wear that and I I think I definitely knew I was being a bit you precocious. Because you like to be around more of the like the guys, right? I think more recent as I got older in professional settings I noticed that people t- would take notice to my chest. I was a late bloomer also, Ryan. So that's Which is why I thought that's why you considered yourself a tomboy. Yeah, so as a, but as see, I you see wait, the gaslighting that Shira just did. Let me explain me- what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so I, I definitely pushed it. So I think there is be something to be said about having like um certain I would I hate to say rules and regulations but like saying that okay it's like if you go to a happy hour and you're like this is the ca- uh, casual upscale happy hour right or this is something where you wear you know more uh, red carpet looks uh-huh, you know uh-huh. there's something to be said about that but um you know these rules in Japan like you can't have hair dye socks a certain color skirt length the shape of your eyebrows that is Wild. Well, next up, the drama around the first out trans contestant on Survivor. That and more next on what's turning this out. Well, we've got more music coming up right here on Channel Q, but right now let's get into some more show. Mm-hmm. Disney's perception as one of the most supportive LGBTQ plus companies may be over as new revelations about Pixar have emerged and a prominent organization, a nonprofit, has refused a multi-million dollar donation. They are being called out. We're gonna break it all down in 10 minutes. Also, we got some baby news. (laughs) Elon Musk news, too. Yeah. All intertwined 
interesting stuff. Okay, that's in the T-Report in a moment. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour, though. The first out-trans Survivor contestant, Jackson Fox, was asked to leave season 42 of the show after only one episode after he failed to disclose pertinent medical information until the day before shooting began. What? Life experience that has prepared me for this is learning how to be on my own after I came out. I'm a transgendered man, and I think if you can go through the process of pretty much revitalizing your entire life and bearing it all, I think you can go on Survivor and bear it all as well. I want that to be a part of who I am because it made me who I am. I think they're going to underestimate me at first, but once they get to know me, I'm going to win people over, slowly but surely. I get along with a tree stump, so I think the Southern charm will win over. So... They, he didn't include that in his application. What did he need to include it for? There's already been a trans person on the show. Totally. Supposedly, um, his medication impacts it, um, has a bad reaction when he's anxious or when he's uh, going through stress. Oh. And so it's Survivor. Well, Survivor, <laughs> yeah. And the show's host, Jeff Probst, visited the island to uh, and confront Fox over his recent revelation that he was also taking lithium. So it wasn't because of his... Um, his drugs for his um, tr- his transitioning, it's because of the drugs he was using for his anxiety and sleep deprivation. Okay, so I mean, but still, but if, of he course can pop, the, if he yes. can use that to, to control it, then what's the big deal? Well, um, Probe said, so to be clear, the only problem with this medication is it does have a reaction when you're stressed, not eating, dehydrated, not sleeping, physically demanding challenges. Oh. And that's where our concern came. The cumulative effect of the show would potentially have a very bad impact on you. We don't want that your safety is paramount. So I think it was a mixture of like him also being the first uh, trans survivor contestant, but then. But he also said he didn't share it because he knew there was a stigma around it, which of I, course. I get that. But it's not just it's He's trying. He was actually trying to quit and be weaned off of it. By the time yeah, the show and unfortunately, maybe it didn't happen in that way, and so yeah, it would impact like you being on a show like that, any sort of mental health condition. Yeah, but if he thought he, if I mean, my thing is when you apply for that, you clearly thought that you could handle that, and so it's like why. I don't know. But then they're liable, so I could see that. And it's just an unfortunate set of circumstances with him being the first out trans survivor contestant. So, Wow, that sucks. Yes, so we are uh, sending Jackson Fox our best. I still don't understand why people want to go on that damn show. To be stranded on an island. And I know a few people have done it. Actually... Uh, one of the who's the person that works in New York? Um, Eliza the legal, uh, yes, Eliza Orleans. I thought she was a lawyer. Race. Oh, I thought she was on she Survivor first. Both. She probably did. Yeah, there's yeah. some people that jump from one show that to the is next. Just so strange. Anyway, all right, moving on. The Trevor Project announced today that it will expand outside the U.S. for the first time. This is huge news. Already the world's largest suicide and crisis intervention organization for LGBTQ youth. It's going to start off. Soon offer its 24-7 digital crisis services to struggling youth in Mexico. And going international is really important. It's been part of their three-year strategic plan, they said, to LGBTQ nation. And more needed, unfortunately, than ever before. U.S. intelligence agencies assess that North Korea's two recent short-range missile launches were designed to secretly test elements of a new, are you ready for this, intercontinental ballistic missile system. I don't even know what those words mean. Something that doesn't sound good. No. Intercontinental ballistic <laughs> missile system. And that uh, an, a senior administration official called a serious escalation. So between well, yeah, uh, Russia that. and North Korea, we already knew they, they were the two most evil leaders and they are just 
going at it right now. It's very worrisome. That was what's training this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? I need a, someone to come on the show to talk to us about everything that's going on, especially with like the chemical or biological weapons that you know the White House is warning everyone yeah. about. It's kind of intense. But uh, yeah, let's talk what the T the report because mm. Grimes and Elon Musk just had a surprise baby, but I thought <laughs> so they were crazy. broken up. It's time for the T report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So it's tough keeping up with the Musk because how uh, hours after news broke that Grimes and Elon Musk secretly rekindled their romance and welcomed a second child via surrogate. Basically, Grimes revealed that she and the Tesla founder have broken up again. Uh, she said, me and E have broken up again since the writing of this article, but he's my best friend and the love of my life and my, uh, <laughs> and my life and art are forever dedicated to the mission now, whatever that means. And her Ver- uh, Vanity Fair cover story, Grimes said the surrogate gave birth to their daughter, Exadark Siderol, whatever that name is, in December after she and Musk had gotten back together in some capacity. She said, I would probably refer to him as my boyfriend, but we're very we're very fluid. We live in, a, in separate houses. We're best friends. We see each other all the time. We just have our own thing going on, and I don't expect other people to understand it. And so that's why, you know, she said, obviously, at this point, when this article came out, this cover story, that they've broken up again. So that maybe they're still very fluid. Fascinating dis- relationship. You know, despite being broken up, it appears... You know, they still have plans to expand their family. As she said, they've, quote, always wanted at least three or four children together. But they had it through a surrogate. Yeah, so they're probably so, going to continue to do surrogate so stuff. And, and it, so I, the, the, I don't know why. The first but, kid is at, or y, no, X, and then the second kid's name is Y. And then it's going to be Z? Girl, I think it's about the chromosomes because it's a boy and a girl. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, that's your tea report. We got more coming up next hour. Uh, find out about how you can win your way into Lady Gaga tickets. Okay, the latest news out of Disney is not only wild, but disappointing. Queerty joins us for that next. Oh, Disney. They continue to get dragged after initially refusing to take a public stance against Florida's Don't Say Gay Bill that would stop teachers from mentioning LGBTQ people in elementary schools. And now there's more news coming from the inside. Here to share more, give us the scoop, is David Radish, entertainment editor at Queerty. Thanks again for Hello. being here. Hi. It's always a pleasure, Ryan and Jira. You're beautiful people. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> I mean, what a to- uh, uh, awkward time to be in a Disney adult, you know, like right? uh, someone who just loves Disney. It's, it's so, it feels like so, especially if you're queer, it just it, they're screwing up everything at this point. It's it's really, really, really sad. And it does feel like the biggest slap in the face to queer Disney fans and especially to queer Disney employees. In fact, employees are now starting to speak out. The big news today is that employees of Pixar, who identify as LGBTQ, have written an open letter to Bob Chapek, the CEO of Disney, in which they accuse Disney of censorship. They are saying that they have tried to work LGBTQ characters and specifically what they call moments of affection into their films over the past few years, and corporate Disney has blocked them every single time. Wow. Wow. That's just so shocking that it's like, really? Really? This is what we're going to... Well, Hmm. it's shocking because Bob was literally just, you know, praising the fact that they have all this queer content coming out, and it's it's the fact that they're... I mean, it feels like they're gaslighting us at this point and gaslighting their employees who know the real... Absolutely. Gaslighting is totally the word. So it's come out. I know Bob Chapek, who is CEO of Disney, 
says he's had conversations with Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida. What he's not saying publicly, but is a matter of public record, is that he is a donor to Mr. DeSantis, Governor DeSantis. He's donated, uh, the com- Disney company has donated $50,000 to the man. Oh. And which, so, is, yeah. which is frightening uh, and is. very upsetting. I, I mean, if you compare this, for, for your listeners who might recall, Disney has taken a stand on LGBTQ issues before. Uh, for example, when, uh, well, first of all, earlier this year when uh, Russia invaded Ukraine, Disney pulled all their movies out of Ukraine. They're not afraid to take a political position. In the state of Georgia, both in 2019, uh, when there was a, a, an abortion bill on the table there, and in 2016, when there was an anti-trans bathroom bill on the governor's desk there, Disney threatened to pull all production out of the state of Georgia if the bill became a law. And Georgia backed down. Those laws were never signed into, uh, those bills were never signed into law. I mean, you contrast that with what's going on in Florida right now, and it seems like Governor DeSantis maybe has Mickey by the tail or some other body part. Of course, you can't pack up Epcot Center and, like, move somewhere else with it. But I think that speaks to how beholden Disney really is to the government of Florida and how much they depend on them for... Oh, certain provisions when they're running their billion-dollar parks. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, so it feels like the relationship is coming is becoming more clear, including when something like this is happening, right? Absolutely. I mean, one thing I have not seen reported on in many of the reports that are that are circulating right now about this controversy is that Disney is actually in the process of building a new multi-million-dollar facility near the Orlando airport which will house at least 2,000 jobs. Now, of course, when you build something that big, you have to work with the state and local governments in order to make sure it gets done. And they also determine what kind of taxes and tax rebates you're going to get for building it there. They determine what kind of environmental practices you can do there, what kinds of labor practices you can do there. So it seems like maybe Disney's investment right now is not so much in its LGBTQ fans or employees, but in the bottom line. Mm-hmm. That's really upsetting. Yeah. I also, you guys will appreciate, when you invited me on to, to talk this afternoon, I reached out to a number of friends of mine that live in Orlando. Oh, that yes. do work for Disney in the theme parks there, uh, who are LGBTQ. And one said the thing he really wants everyone to know, this is what we all have to understand, those of us that are not living in Orlando or in Florida. He said cast members there are terrified to speak out because the wages are so low. And obviously with inflation, with gas prices surging, this is all, they're, they're under tremendous pressure already, but their wages have not gone up. They're constantly being told they're easily replaced, that they can bring in anybody to do any job, essentially, and that within Orlando, particularly, and in Florida, like it's statewide, there's a certain anti-Disney sentiment. You can tell people, if you are in California, if you are in New York, Illinois, anywhere, that if you work for Disney, it will be thought of as this great thing, that they'll say, oh my gosh, you've worked for a major company, and it's Disney, and it's Americana, and it's so beloved. That is not the attitude in Florida. If you have Disney experience, you're thought of as less bad. Wow. And I'm not qualified to unpack why that is. But I will say that was certainly true when I lived there. And apparently it's gotten even worse now. Oh, wow. So this continues to unravel very quickly. And now with HRC saying they refuse to take their money, what do you think? 
I mean, I, bravo to HRC, first of all. If someone put a $5 million check in my mailbox, I'd really have to think twice <laughs> before returning it. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like, when, you know, you mentioned the gaslighting with Mr. Trebek. I feel like there's all this virtue signaling where he's saying, mm-hmm. look, we put all these LGBTQ characters in our sitcoms, in our movies. Look, we have so many employees. Look, we've donated to the HRC. And, you know, it's, it's not enough. It, it just it isn't when at the end of the day you can put out any kind of any kind of sentiment, any kind of product that says, look, we want you to spend your money here. The fact is, Disney has never endorsed gay days, the, the uh, big queer celebrations that run like a week. They, we have them in California. We have them in Florida. They've never endorsed that as an official uh, function of the company. And in fact, they've repeatedly tried to distance themselves over the years. And even though Disney now sells pride flag merchandise in the stores, it feels like they just want to take our money. They don't want to actually support us mm. in a re- very real world situation where there is a law that is, is yeah. you know, that there's a strong possibility which will have radical ramifications for yeah. so many of its employees in that state. Definitely. Well, David Reddish, thank you as always for joining us. Uh, David is the entertainment editor at Queerity. We really appreciate it. Unfortunately, we're probably going to have to have you back to continue talking about this story. <laughs> anytime, anytime. You're wonderful. Thank you for having me. You're great. Okay, what's coming up next, Ryan? Okay, so well, how does the history of harmful data collection hurt the LGBTQ plus community today? Well, we're going to dive into it. Don't go anywhere. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medela. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... You deserve this ice-cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Okay, so the history of data collecting for the LGBTQ community hasn't always been accurate. Now, how has this changed, and do we truly understand the history that comes along with those gaps and absences? Joining us for this conversation is Dr. Kevin Guyan. He's a research fellow in the School of Culture and Creative Arts at the University of Glasgow. Um, He also has a book called Queer Data, Using Gender, Sex, and Sexuality Data for Action. Thank you so much for joining the conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Yeah, I think what's really interesting about your article is I I, I would love for us to start where you can break down the uh, the harmful history when it comes to collecting data about the LGBTQ plus community. Like, what don't we know? Yeah, so for me, this has been a a bugbear for the past few years when people speak about we need more and more data on the lives of LGBTQ people. And I'm based in the UK and it's a really exciting year at the moment because we're asking new questions in the census around sexual orientation and gender identity. But for me, what was always missing in these conversations was looking back at the past and looking back at history. And particularly for me, I was really kind of frustrated why um, 
Often LGBTQ communities were described as hard to reach or difficult in regards to sharing their data with um, data collection agencies. But for me, this overlooked the harmful past and the harmful histories. Um, so even looking back in the past 50, 100 years, we see how data about um, different parts of the, the wider LGBTQ umbrella, where data has been used as evidence of, of criminality in criminal records, for example, or where data has been collected to prove that um, same-sex attraction or um, different gender identities are somehow abnormal or departing from, from the norm. And all of this has been underpinned by, by data, particularly quantitative data. And for me, I was really concerned that this harmful past was never really factored into discussions about why some people, understandably, might be reluctant to share data about their sexual orientation or their gender identity. And so what did you decide to do about it? Um, I guess what I've been doing um, is trying to kind of raise the profile of, of these issues, of these histories. And for me, it's a slightly kind of double-edged sword, because on one hand, I think it's great that things like the census are keen to count and include more information about gender, sex and sexuality, and keen to adopt a more inclusive approach. But at the same time, I think with these moments, with these moments of celebration, it's also really important that we take a moment to pause and think about some of the problematic histories and some of the decisions being made today, which continue to exclude some parts of the LGBTQ community. Well, I guess for me, um, I wonder, and we're speaking with Dr. Kevin Guyon, um, I wonder who's making the decisions about the data? Are queer people even involved? I would say there's definitely some involvement. There's some effort to involve queer people throughout the process. But fundamentally, in something large like a census or a large um, research study, maybe in a major university, Often data about queer communities is designed, managed, collected and used by people who themselves are cis and heterosexual. And when we see in something like a census, where these top decisions are being made by politicians who are overwhelmingly heterosexual and cis, in the context of Scotland, where I'm based, there's a lot of misunderstanding, a lack of knowledge about what it actually meant to identify as queer in the year 2020. And as a result, what we've ended up with does continue to exclude some parts of the community. Yeah, well, has anything changed? Are we seeing a shift at all? I think there's an understanding. I think even the fact that the census now has new questions um, in Scotland on sexual orientation, on trans status and history, is a really fantastic development in many ways. Um, that as of when the data is counted and analysed, we'll have these national level records of how many queer people there are in Scotland and across the wider UK. Um, so it seems dials may be moving in the right direction, but at the same time, we've seen a lot of backlash, particularly around um, the exclusion of trans communities from the count and efforts to try and police how people answer questions based on sex or gender. Wow. So I guess moving forward in your research, uh, especially around queerness, what are you looking for? I'm trying to kind of navigate, I guess, maybe challenge ideas about quantitative data, challenge ideas about numbers, challenge ideas about the biases and the, um, the lack of neutrality in some ways that underpin these things which are historically perceived as um, being apolitical or ahistorical. So for me, I'm really keen in my work to um, kind of get people to ask questions of academics, of scientists, of researchers, of politicians, um, and before queer people share their data, ask why. Why is it being collected? What's it being used for? Is it benefiting me and my community? And if not, feel empowered to actually say, no, I don't want to share my data in certain situations.
Definitely. Are you uh, seeing any countries doing this well at this point? Um, I would say in regards to the amount of data being collected, I would definitely say that Scotland and the UK are, are trailblazers in that regard. But we are seeing similar conversations taking place in Canada, in New Zealand, in Australia, um, and in the US um, around the capture of data, for example, in the census on same-sex relationships. And that's been an ongoing issue in the US context. But we also see different ways of capturing data about gender, sex and sexuality in other countries. Um, Nepal, for example, India, Pakistan, uh, Malta. These countries are all adopting uh, different approaches to meet their own contexts and geographies. But it is interesting to look across borders at how these questions about data translate. Wow. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And, And it's really insightful, your work. And I think we all could really... Um, learn more about the inclusion of queer folks when it comes to data collection moving forward because it really is going to be helpful to improve our daily lives, right? And and so I just appreciate you for joining Let's Go There with Sharon Ryan. Thank you. Thank you. All right, that was Dr. Kevin Guyon, a research fellow in the School of Culture and Creative Arts at the University of Gasglow. Um, His book, Queer Data, Using Gender, Sex, and Sexuality Data for Action, is available now wherever you want to get your books. Thank you again. What's coming up next? Well, next up, some disturbing pictures coming out of Russia and quotes to showing the propaganda being shared with citizens there. That's next. As more than 100 companies are seizing operations in Russia in support of Ukraine, including McDonald's, Starbucks, Coca-Cola, Apple, and Netflix. Victoria's Secret stores are now shutting down too. And before they shut down those multiple locations across the country in protest, uh, stores in Moscow and St. Petersburg were hit with huge lines as people rushed to get some products, you know, before they shut down. It's crazy. These videos coming out show chaos in front of the store as one person said I had to wait in line but successfully bought my favorite lingerie Um, and this person Marina who was reported in the New York Post said she is angered with the company's decision and this is where it gets really bad okay she said I'm upset they are closing but it shows the West don't understand Putin that needs to rid Ukraine of so many Nazis to make us safe. Why are the U.S. and Britain so blind? So, yes, so as you can imagine. So we're saying there are people in Russia, uh-huh. Russian citizens, who believe that yeah. this, you know, Putin is actually, you know, Hercules in this situation. Yeah, because uh, he controls the media and the news and it shares a lot of propaganda. And yeah. he's literally on a, a campaign um, and acting like he's doing this. He's I mean, saying, Donald Trump has followers I mean, as well. Totally. His inspiration. Also, uh, I mean, for lack of better words, Hitler had followers yeah. as well. He's a, justifying the war in Ukraine by falsely calling the warfare a denazification of Ukraine. Right. He's been saying that from the jump, but there's no proven, uh, anything proven that there's any of that's happening with the uh, president of the Ukraine being a Jewish person. Yeah, so the whole thing is messed up, but it's the only way that he could justify doing this, right? He is uh, a war criminal. He's committing war crimes, and he needs to make sure his citizens don't go against him. And so this what, is... are these Russian citizens who are flocking <laughs> to the store, like they're upset that the fact they have yeah, to do this? Well, they're upset that all these companies are um, leaving and shutting down, and they're, they feel like it's because they uh, the West isn't supporting them. 
And why would we? Like that's that's the crazy thing. It's it's so unfortunate it's that so some crazy. people and because you know there's it's it's interesting and I don't know how this is connected, but there's it's been so interesting because there's been such an interesting conversation around like people being like uh, like how accessible are you to like join a cult? And I often feel like depending on the leader that we're seeing and like these people who are like diehard clearly Putin fans, it's like they're in a cult. I mean, even MAGA followers, like these people are only willing to listen to the propaganda that they're fed from their leader. It's also faux patriotism, right? Yeah. So, you know, yeah. um, and so also, but other people are mad, right? Or And they think that he has gone mad. But they're going to be mad. Um, they said our lives are being wrecked because of the sanctions against him. Not just this, it's because he of did so- his... <laughs> The war, like his, the people he's killing and what he's trying to commit. It's so sad. Um, someone said, I hadn't seen a queue outside inside the boutique for a very long time. It hurts a little to look at this. We will not see high quality, beautiful lingerie for a long time. Oh my God, poor you with the lingerie. People are dying there. Yeah. Do you see the pictures coming out of Ukraine? It's so With the shelling and the blood and like the hospital and someone like who's pregnant in the maternity ward leaving pregnant. Oh, poor you. You can't have some lingerie and the, and for a that bit. that person who said that was an interior designer. Osaka Baranova and my thing is there's been so many people like Russian celebrities or just Russian influencers or whatever people who have some sort of status they're so afraid which I understand to actually speak out against Putin and Russia in this moment and so like I I just I don't know and there are people that are speaking out but there are are. we're not gonna like put an umbrella around all Russians it's an unfortunate situation all around Um, this is just the MAGA side of the Russian exactly the same thing outside of the US people think everyone's Maggie here. Yeah, for sure. Similarly. Um, so Trump ex- recently explained on Joe Rogan's podcast why he loves the Village People song YMCA so much. That and more next on What's Trending This Hour. We are wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. Well, one side of Florida has voted in favor of the controversial Don't Say Gay Bill. You know, state senators, of course, on the opposite side of the state, an out politician in Boynton Beach was elected mayor. A big shout out to Ty Penserga, who will be the state's first LGBTQ plus Asian American mayor in Florida City. All right. Yeah. Okay. That's Isn't actually, that amazing? That's great. Yeah. He said, this is a surreal moment for me. What you've taught me and what you have given me is an opportunity to fight for all of you. This is the opportunity to do the work. Yeah, I mean, wow. I, I just can't imagine uh, the uphill battle being in Florida that was, you know? But yeah, and happened. that will continue to be, unfortunately. Yeah, for sure. But we want to give a big shout out to him because uh, that representation matters, including during a time like this. Ty Penserga, go check him out. Go support what he's up to. Yeah. Yes, Queen. Yes, and that also does it for our show today. But we are back tomorrow, wrapping up the week. Shar Giselle joins us in the studio. I will be out You're heading to tomorrow. Austin, South by Southwest. Have a blast, everyone. Uh, but on tomorrow's show, we're going to be discussing what the odds are and now getting COVID if you haven't had it yet. And the debilitating nature of chronic pain with Dr. James Simmons, plus why you may be supporting Russian propaganda with how you say Ukraine or Kiev fascinating stuff that's tomorrow if you miss any of our shows or interviews we post everything as a podcast just go to the odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search let's go there we are sending you love and light and honey remember to slay now stick around for love line with dr chris where he's talking about exhaustion and sex tips that's next i could sometimes use some of those tips bye 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 this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.